Okay, and good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Other Minds and Hands. This is episode number 12. Uh, and today, Maggie is back, for one thing. Hey. Uh, hey, Maggie, welcome back. Joined this week again by my co-host, Maggie Park. Uh, and uh, we are going to talk about the new images that have recently dropped from Empire Magazine on the Rings of Power. So this is our first um, new rings of power material for a while to talk about um and uh, uh welcome everybody who's attending live happy to see people's uh observations so just to keep to make sure people uh to remind folks um i am watching uh the all the different chat feeds uh today um so uh, if you have comments or observations or questions please uh make sure that you can remember you can talk to me as well as each other in the chat stream. So uh, I can uh, I can keep an eye on that. All right. Um, so, right, yeah, uh, uh, JJ's teasing us about how many special guests we have this week. Yeah, exactly. Look at all these. I mean, at all these people my cat's here and you've got your dog. So. Exactly. We have, we have numerous special guests. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my special guest has crawled away. Okay, she's not doing uh, anything naughty. Um, all right. Anyway, so... So yeah, so we had some guests uh, scheduled for today actually, but we had to reschedule. So we're we're gonna we're gonna do that uh, at a future time. But in any case, as I said, new material dropped today. So uh, or not today, recently, um, and we're gonna talk about it today. Uh, so before we get too deep into things, I um, I wanted to obviously do a little bit of digging in to the. Uh, the different images that we get here. Um, but first, I wanted to start, Maggie, you had a, a sort of a general PSA. You wanted to talk about exclusives and what this means, like what's happening right now. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, and I don't have an agenda. I'm not as brain organized as Corey is in these things, but it was like so much stuff dropped in the last week. I was just like, Corey, we need to do a PSA on the <laughs> right. term exclusive and content and marketing and all this stuff. So right. I figure we just talk about it for a little bit, um, yeah. but yeah. you know, just the way this stuff comes out, like there's there's a very like tried and true way that studios do the marketing machine and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so there's expectations that I think come with certain adaptations, but it's like so heightened in the last 15 years because of social media and because of you know immediate responses and because of quick networks where people can discuss things and boycott things and condemn things and all these other really dramatic terms that the industry has shifted to respond to that, but not nearly as fast as you would think. Right. Um, huge generalization, obviously, but like really just missing the boat sometimes. Um, I don't think we're seeing like the worst of the worst by any means with Amazon, but there's a lot of like really basic. And I mean that in like the modern term, it's so basic um, right. marketing happening with Amazon and the stuff that they're doing. That's not basic. That's like a little bit outside the box right? is okay. You know, right. it's not, it, it's okay. And you would think for something like this, it would be like, revolutionary so just kind of like some some general psa you know things to keep in mind i think when you're looking at these these kind of drops timing is a huge one mm -hmm. when things are released is like 
the worst math problem, word math problem you've probably ever encountered if you're working right. in marketing. They're trying to right. figure out like time of day, time zones, national holidays in their biggest responding countries, where the biggest fandoms are that might share and retweet these things, who to tag, you know, all the different logistics that happen with these things. So the fact that it's coming out with Empire first, I thought was real interesting in and of itself. They're not right. going to Entertainment Weekly. They're not going to People Magazine. Empire has a real reputation um, as being a film magazine and not like high end, but it's right. higher end than Entertainment Weekly or People. It's like the National Geographic of film, right? Okay. Ish. Okay. So just like having that come out, I feel like is its own thing. So we're trying to hang our star to Empire. We're trying to get a little street cred from this. Um, yeah, I had questions about that. Um, sure. And this might be just be me. I mean, I uh, probably this not is many tea, people. By the way, I realize the <laughs> mug is very. It's just tea. <laughs> it's a it's a a a tea tea which wishes it were it were Guinness is that basically yeah um, a little bit but I would fall asleep by the end of this broadcast, so. <laughs> right right anyway so um I pro probably surprised nobody that I'm you know kind of unorthodox in my thinking but I look at all of the effort that's been put to drop the stuff to Vanity Fair and to drop the stuff now to Empire and I say to myself dude what kind of circulation does Empire have? 80,000 people? People? Yeah. Right? I mean, like, why do that? Like, what, I mean, on the one hand, you say street cred, and, and I get it. There's like a name thing there, right? But yeah. if the goal is to circulate, um, I mean, just like to, to kind of, you know, a name drop from our London group, if they had done a similar exclusive with, like, the Nerd of the Rings, mm -hmm. they would have more than 10 times the circulation or the one ring or don marshall you know like yeah, I mean, any exactly of these i mean Half more than ring. 10 times the circulation yeah. uh or possibly with, you know 20 times the circulation what do they gain from that why are they i mean it seems to me that they're like i get vanity fair empire it seems really conservative it seems very several decades ago uh the whole that's plan. what i mean like i feel like they're just missing a beat like yeah especially because they had all of us in london they you know they pushed out the boat to make this thing happen to offer all these exclusive experiences that are all of a sudden not exclusive because right. we can't share the information that is now being shared by other people right. fine yeah and, and it's very clear by the way that you know our embargo was designed to not mess with these exclusives more than anything yeah. else I mean, that's yes. the conclusion that I'm, I've drawn from it. And that's also what's kind of fascinating about the position we're in, because if if we hadn't been invited to London, I'd still be looking at this going, oh, well, this is really interesting that they chose Empire only as a circulation right. of this instead of right. blah, blah, blah. They know that all of the people with the major circulations are going to circulate, but it right. is kind of old school thinking in my mind to, to start with Empire. Right. Um, you know, even when I was working back on the Twilight stuff, like the exclusive stuff went to the fans at midnight the night before and then it was in all the major circuits by like 9 a.m the next morning but right. for those like nine hours it was the fans that controlled the narrative of how that was happening and how they communicated right. that to their their followers and the fact that they got first was such a like empowering thing to that fandom that you just can't help but think 15 years on these are very organized very professional yeah. People. Yeah. These are not like 14 year old teenage girls that just have a right. Twitter account. 
these are professional social media influencers and academics and everything else that you know can really bring the street cred that frankly empire can't anymore empire ha is fantastic and it is a great resource but i think when you're looking at something like this they just missed a beat by not tapping into the resource they had yeah it, it, it just it does there's my soapbox but other, i can keep no, going on about i, I agree it just it, it's thing. it just it seems it seems odd to me, I mean, like honestly, it's and it's not. It's nothing against Empire. I'm just like magazines. Who reads magazines? Like, what? Like, and like I almost don't think it's anything against Amazon either. Be well, no, it is against Amazon big picture, but it's not against the people in charge because it's such a machine. I think they're all just playing their roles, and maybe yeah, they have ten no, percent flexibility. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe they have ten percent flexibility within their roles to think outside the box. And that 10% is what got us to London is what got, you know, some of these yeah. more unique things that are yeah. happening. Yeah. But they're still no. relying on this old school timeline, this schedule yeah. of this sort of traditional information thinking. out, controlling yeah. the narrative. And I, and you know, we've said it before. I absolutely understand that they want to curate the information out there to help the information get out sure. appropriately. And all that stuff. Sure. I get that, but they're shooting themselves in the foot as well. <laughs> I, I think I think so. I mean, and, and this is not. I mean, look, there's nothing surprising about it. First of all, I always I I, I often feel a little bit annoyed um, when I hear people who don't you know don't like the messaging or don't like the trailer or something like that you know, and who then immediately start popping off and saying things like the Amazon marketing people have no idea what they're doing. They're not thinking about this at all. They're just throwing. But of course they're thinking about this. They have a strategy. I mean, and I don't just say that because I've met many of them, right? And you know, and and I I know they're thinking. I know they're planning very carefully and you know exerting a great deal of effort. The uh, and and, I, and I'm not. I don't think that they're bad at what they're doing. Totally. But I do think that they're the script that they're following, the overall strategic plan uh, for the marketing, it does it does feel very, you know, I don't know, late twentieth century, like or, or not, man, not, maybe not that bad. It's not like one that ignores that the internet exists at all. Um, right. But like a decade ago, it just I, I feel like they're, and again, this is it's hard because I don't want to just ride my own hobby horse. I mean, goodness knows, for the last ten years, I've been like, you know doing things differently on the internet, right? And so, like, that's my bag. Uh, and so I don't want to say that everybody, that's always going to be better if everybody thinks like I do, but it just really seems, um, uh, it really seems like a lost opportunity. That's what and I that's often exactly feel. The way I would, uh, yeah. That's what I often it's feel. exactly the way I would phrase it. We're like, yeah, I, I mean, I also don't assume that other people have been studying fan reactions and event film adaptation engagement right. for the last 15 right. years, but like there's just, and I, it's not a criticism of them. It's more of an observation and what a shame, you know, like you have this incredible resource that you're aware of because you invited some of the right people to London. You had to tell them to invite a few extra people that should have been there. So like, you know, right. they did some research, which is step one of a marketing campaign but they didn't take it to that next level. And I feel like that's where they needed some sort of proper fan engagement. Anyway, we're getting into yeah. the Amazon bit. I really just wanted to do an overview of like marketing, but eh, right. that's how we go. But right. like right. timing, I think is a really important thing for us to just be aware of. Like there's a reason we're getting this drip of information and you know, just the sketch of the troll and just the shot of Kelbrim Boer and you know, just these little things to kind of eke us in because it's minimal effort from them, maximum response, lots of time to unpack it, broadcast, retweet, share, all that stuff. 
So when more material comes out, we'll already be in the thick of it and maybe have already right. drunk the Kool-Aid is probably what they're thinking. Right, um, right. I also just think you need to be careful with things that say exclusive, first look, all access. Those are buzzwords. Um, right. It usually just means there's a tag in somebody's contract that says, we're the ones that are allowed to talk about this now. Loads mm -hmm. of people have that content. You'll probably get a different perspective on it in 36 hours or two weeks or whatever. Yeah. But the first one out is usually the one that has been most groomed, most curated, most restricted sometimes, you know, most controlled. So sometimes it's worth, you know, waiting for some of those things to come out a bit later as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I tried to do like four um, alliterations there with players, pressures, precedence, but momentum was really what I needed. <laughs> so it's just like all those things to keep in mind. You need the momentum of the fans on board drinking that Kool-Aid. You have to have the right players involved, which they almost have, but I don't think they quite have with this. Obviously, they're dealing with a stupid amount of pressures from financers and studios and everything else but a lot of them are also just doing their jobs like they're just marketers yeah they are not expected to know the ins and outs of the tolkien fandom the way that we do that have been in it for decades like right. of course that's not their job right and that, and, and and that's another thing that i i know i often have to remind myself of as well is that um sometimes when i'm looking at an ad right or a even a trailer or something like that um i sometimes have to remind myself I might not be the target audience of this, right? right? You know, um, and that's okay. I mean, like if, I've heard, I've heard some people say things like, "I felt insulted," like I was told, you know. And I'm like, look, that they, they're not going to put out everything, assuming that everyone who watches it already knows everything about Tolkien. Like they can't do that, right? So no, they're like a, a lot of the. And to be frank, Tolkien fandom as a whole, again, fandoms feel really entitled. And I get that. Like, believe me, I get yeah. that. Right. But There's like, a huge ownership element of fandom. huge. Right. Like, obviously, we Tolkien fans are a the primary audience for this show and b let's be frank, the only audience that really matters or has an opinion that's like worth listening to. Right. I mean, that's it's, it's such an easy mindset to get into. But we have to keep in mind, Hi. no matter how large Tolkien fandom is, we're only a small portion I mean, compare, for instance, right? I mean, because this has got to be what they're doing. Compare, you know, diehard Tolkien fan fandom, right, to people who saw the Peter Jackson movies in the theater, right? Yep. That's the group they're trying to appeal to, right? Uh, and that, then some. I and mean, then they're some, also yeah. trying. They're also trying to appeal to the people that thought Peter Jackson's films were too geeky, but really liked that Game of Thrones thing, or really liked that Wheel of Time sure. thing, you know? So they're really trying to broaden that net. I think our response, like you and me, is just, it's a missed opportunity. Like you have a resource and it wasn't used. However, I understand that you're appealing to way beyond me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, and so it's not, so that's why like, even in my reference to, you know, uh, Matt, Nerd of the Rings before. Um, my point is not just like, oh, they should have done all of their promotion within the fandom instead of outside. All I really mean is there are better... I mean, it's, there are different ways, but yes. if the idea is to get this, raise as much excitement as possible, get this in front of as many eyeballs as you can, a magazine behind a paywall, 
I, I, I told and I totally get it. Um, someone who was it was talking about this. Uh, Chatting myth was saying it may seem archaic, but Empire has a larger network to general audiences and entertainment outlets than the Tolkien community specifically. And I get that, but but I actually disagree with larger network to general audiences. Again, it has a circulation of eighty thousand, and I, I, like it's just it's not a larger network. It's a smaller network. It has there is cachet to it. Like I absolutely get that. There's it's almost there, there's almost uh, because of the way that we've seen this in other uh, like with Star Wars releases and 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 everything else, right? I mean, if, even if we go back, as we were Mag and I were just commenting on. Batman Returns, right? Uh, they're on all of these covers, right? I mean, okay, like, I get it. I see that. Like, and there's a certain cachet to it. Street cred is what you were saying, right? And I... Yeah. It's not that I don't understand that, but that that has been the... Exc- that, that that sort of thing has been... I just... I don't know. I just well, myself really, I don't like to I think there's also just Empire on... I think there's also just Empire on the Shelf is a thing that looks really good and does attract a really wide net of people. So like anytime I'm in a train station, I pick up Empire just to see what's on the cover and what leading stories are. It's just a given. I'm not going to buy it 99% of the time, but I will pick it up. And the the magazine I have bought in the last decade is probably Empire with special covers because those are the things you do want to covet and collect as a, as a collector. But the wider audience for Empire is pretty significant. So like this made me think about um, the Hunger Games marketing when that came out, um, Donald Sutherland, who played President Snow, he was put on all the morning talk shows and Jennifer Lawrence was put on all the evening talk shows. So obviously okay. the younger people are going to be staying up late and watching the evening talk shows and want to see her throwing a football around with Jimmy Fallon. Great. Right. The morning talk shows, Donald Sutherland was talking about how he didn't have a choice. He had to do this role of President Snow. It was a political stance that he felt required to take and how important this film was you know he really put this heavy political spin on it so you think about morning tv show watchers you know getting ready for work and and things like that seeing donald sutherland talk about how important this film is you have just targeted an entire audience that never would have considered watching the hunger games right so i i can see that that if they put it on the cover of empire and it is really beautifully shot i mean i think these three images have their issues which i'm sure we'll get into but i do think they're really beautiful it would catch your eye and you would pick it up and say oh what's this and especially loads of people like obviously we know that amazon is making this massive thing loads of people have no idea that amazon is making this massive thing right so all of a sudden it's on these magazines that you're going to pick up in a train station or at least see in passing and be like wait what (laughs) right right yeah and okay all right i get that i mean i i'm i'm uh um yeah it's not that I, I I don't see the Empire covers and say, oh, it was a bad idea to right. do something with Empire, um, but that there has been very little diversification so far. And that that was first. Yeah. yeah. I would have started with the people that have the biggest sway, have the most knowledge and are the most skeptical. Give them the power of the conversation first, even if it's for like 12 hours. Yeah. And then let Empire drop their stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, um, they didn't hire me though, so. no, exactly. Yeah. I, I, that's always my problem that they didn't hire <laughs> you. Um, anyway. Okay. So let's, let's, let's look at these first images. We got a bunch of images, uh, from the magazine that we want to look through, but I want to, um, uh, uh, 
so, okay, first of all, all right, um, I, Jorge, I want to, I want to, I want to address this because a lot, I hear a lot of people say this. I don't even know what it means What's when that? some people Sorry. have looked at the images, these images and others and said, it looks like generic fantasy to me. Mm. What does that mean? I don't understand what people mean when they say that. Could somebody explain what that means? Um, like, I, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't understand. Um, what's, I mean, yes, it looks like fantasy stuff. So do most fantasy shows that I see stuff for. What is it, what says generic to you, exact, to, to people? Exactly. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Um, uh, so that's one question. Um, but anyway, sorry. So I just I I I I seek more information from people who are making fair. that criticism. I mean, that's one of those broad definitions that everybody has a different definition of fantasy. That you know, some people it might be Disney's Sorcerer's Apprentice kind of a thing, and others it's going to be fairies, and others it's going to be knights, right. and you know who knows. Yeah. Um, I so, was laughing at the comment of why do the Harfoots have so many twigs and leaves in their hair. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's a lot in their hair that can't be comfortable. They do have a lot in their hair. I didn't really notice that. Um, but, um, uh, okay, Andre says, looks like Game of Thrones. Okay. I thought Game of Thrones looked like Lord of the Rings. I, I mean, it, it's... Called um, story. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, right. And so I mean, anyway, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Like... Like we were saying, if it's the cover of Empire, they're looking for a broad appeal. So right. if it's a beautifully framed, beautifully lit, beautifully shot image, and somebody who might be fantasy adjacent, you know, occasionally I dabble in the occasional <laughs> fantasy right. film. Right. Maybe they'd pick it up and, and be interested. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, hey, let me start with a negative because I don't usually do that. Can I tell you the one thing that annoys me about these, about the, what this one detail in these pictures that annoys me? Well, not annoys. Yes, it does annoy me. It disappoints me, though. Um, the prosthetic feet. I hate prosthetic hobbit feet. Hate it. Have hated it. I've always hated it. Um, hobbits do not have huge wonking feet. That's not a thing. Uh, they're particularly bad. And those are those are like three times as not three times as long, but they're like ex, they got like foot extenders on. Uh, why do that? Why? Why? It, it's I don't I don't understand. Um, uh, and just makeup wise, like look at that first one. It looks like you can actually see the line where it's attached to the foot. It, it looks like that in that, or at least see, I wouldn't have thought much about it if not for the fact that the foot is so ridiculously large mm. um, that I'm, you know, kind of like looking for that. Um, you think they're just trying to align it with Jackson and say, look, I kind of suspect so, you know, I mean, and honestly, um, if they were, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I've always thought, by the way, I've never understood why no, more people don't object to this in like never did object to this in the Jackson films. Like, why is it that nobody, I, cause I don't remember ever hearing anybody, um, complain 
but but I hated the Hobbit feet in the Lord of the Rings films just as much as I mean, like I every single time I saw them, they annoy me on screen. Um, why do Hobbits so, have big flappy feet? And it became so iconic. I mean, you could buy yes. a Hobbit slipper. They were in that Amazon first trailer years ago. Somebody yes. was walking around the office wearing with the, the Hobbit, Hobbit slipper. slippers. Yeah. yeah, which is like whatever. Like Hobbit slippers, okay, but um, I I just I like furry, yes giant no like why do that and 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 that they chose that element i do assume that it is some you know they, they've they've they have been they're obviously their visual look people right especially are playing a are doing doing a delicate balance right between continuity with jackson's aesthetic and innovation from Jackson's mm-hmm. aesthetic, right? That's a, it's, it's obviously, it's a careful balance. And it's not just a question of balance. John Howe is the concept artist in both places. So like, yeah, shocker of shockers, John Howe's art is going to kind of remind you of John Howe's art. Um, and the aesthetic is not going to be completely different because John Howe is the main dude behind it. So, okay, fine. Um, but um, uh, anyway, um I, and I, I kind of agree yeah. with what Thomas Delgado says. At this point, Hobbits having large feet is popular culture. Yeah. I mean, I guess right. it's just like... Popular culture, you know, that annoys this me. This how you know they're but, related yeah. to the Hobbits we know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I Exactly. And I, I assume that that's why they did it. I assume that's why they did it. I mean, there's no warrant for uh, enormous feet um, in the text, so there's no, there's no pressure from the text they're, they're adapting to do that. And so therefore it must just be in sort of the expectations, but, but these um, aren't particularly bad. I mean, it looks like those are not functional toes. Yeah. You know, they just look like limp prosthetics, which again, like, and then several scenes in the Lord of the Rings films, you can see their feet flopping, like, <sighs> you know, like vibrating when they step down, like, blah, 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 you know, the little, like, like a, like flesh never would. Jello um, jiggle. Right. Or flesh with bones in it, at least, right? Um, anyway, okay. So okay, we'll, so we started with the one negative. Uh, Hobbit foot, pet acceptable peeve, right? hatred. Okay, okay, all right. Now, um, I the pretty much uh, I, I pretty much like the rest. Seen yeah, no I other... didn't really have a negative. The only negative I had was the Batman Returns thing right in the middle of it because visually <laughs> right. I had a problem with the juxtaposition of that. <laughs> But, you know, Corey and I were talking beforehand about cross-pollination. Like, again, this is part of the marketing machine. This is what they have to do. They know you're going to pick up the magazine because of Lord of the Rings. So we better talk about Batman, Brad Pitt, Avatar, Stranger Things, and Face Off all at the same time. Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, Yeah, the plus Brad Pitt is the thing that keeps, like, making me do a double take when I I see it. so okay, so let's let's talk about Goadriel. Lots of people talking about her uh, her man spreading uh, uh, posture there, right? Um, I I I don't dislike it at all. Um, I first of all, I mean, let me just say, there's very little that I've seen of the Rings of Power Goadriel that I dislike. Um, I understand that it is jarring to a lot of people. I think that that's a deliberate choice that they've made, and I am in support. Of this choice that they've made, I think the idea of introducing um, a different. So I was just uh, exchanging or attempting to exchange while I was running around uh, doing errands and stuff, tweets um, with a person who was complaining about this earlier today, and uh, he was 
quoting a place where the, 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 the showrunners were quoted as saying that Galadriel has a lot to learn. And they're like, Galadriel does not have a lot to learn. She's one of the wisest people in Middle-earth. And I'm like, so Galadriel never learned anything. So she's done. That's no, no. I mean, like ever at any point did Galadriel learn anything like the, apparently, right? Like this, there's, it's not possible. So telling a story in which Galadriel learns something is untrue to the lore because apparently Galadriel sprang knowing everything fully and fully formed. wise, right? From the womb and or from wherever it was she sprang. Um, you know, I mean, like, of course she has stuff. Like, there's, I've always been so goodness. When Frodo meets her, she has stuff to learn. She learns stuff before the Frodo leaves, right? What stuff about herself. Existent. What a boring existence to exist for thousands of years and not be able to learn. Like, I get bored in two weeks without having to learn <laughs> exactly. something. Exactly. I mean, of course she has a lot to learn. Did she know a lot? Yeah, but of course she has a lot to learn. And what's more, um, this is what they're, what they're, telling is a really fascinating moment. Like the story that they're telling is a fascinating moment, not only just in Galadriel's history, but in the history of the elves. And it's one of the most underplayed story in all of Tolkien, which I am really fascinated by. And that is, okay, the end of the first age was the end of the elf story originally, right? Like that was it. The elf story is done at the end of the first age. And then of course, Tolkien invented the second and the third ages, right? So the question is, some elves stayed, not many, right? But some elves stayed. We get Galadriel staying. We get Gilgalad staying. We get Celebrimbor staying, right? We get Elrond staying. We get, we get you know, elves. That, and Elrond hasn't just stayed, right? He not only stays, but he chooses to be an elf at the moment, right? After, at the end of the First Age. Like, as the First Age is coming to an end, he's like... I'm not only gonna. I'm gonna stay in Middle Earth, and I'm gonna. I'm. 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 I'm buying in right to the Elf franchise at this moment. Right, the end of the first age, going into the second age. Why? What did he want? What What were they doing? What were they? And 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 how does this connect with their stories in the first age? With what happened? With the fallout from the first age? I mean, my goodness, it's a, it can be a scarring experience just reading about what happened to the elves in the first age. Imagine surviving that, and then what? Now what? Now what do you do? What are your goals? What are they trying to do? And what's more, the world is changing, right? The elves, the fading time is approaching. It's already beginning to approach, right? The second age, things are different now, right? How do they handle that? What's the purpose of elves in Middle-earth at all? What's their purpose? And what are they going to do in their kingdoms? Like, all these things are fascinating questions, and they're second age questions, right? So... No, of course Galadriel doesn't have everything figured out by the beginning of the Second Age. Yes, she's experienced a lot. And that, as I understand it, is the premise of their Galadriel character. Not that she's naive and yeah. ignorant, but she's been through a lot. And she is the one who is primarily agitating and asking the what happens now questions. Can we I'm keep doing this? I'm going back to our gap year Gladriel. I'm I right. feel more and more that's what this is. We're like, look at right. her stance. That's a very like twenty three year old I know everything stance. Right. Maybe not. Maybe you have a few things to learn. But yeah, I quite like the challenge of, of that pose and you know, the the really destroyed armor and it's so ragged and dirty and rough and um I I think that all aligns with what you're saying. Like, no, she's she's growing right here. We're watching it yeah. right now. She's and and she has a long ways to go. Long ways mm. to go. Even if you just do an outline of the major things that probably happened to her, because Tolkien changed his mind all over the place about exactly what she was up to in the Second Age. Um, but even if you just list the potential things that she was involved in, 
it's a big deal. I mean, there's a lot that is going to happen to this woman between the Second Age and the Third Age, right? Uh, and, and the end of the Third Age. And if you're a layperson, because again, I didn't know all of this lore before we got onto this path. If you're a layperson that just saw the Jackson stuff and you know Kate Blanchett as Galadriel, who is so composed and right. strong and right. powerful, and then you see this image, you're like, whoa, you know? So clearly mm -hmm. there is a journey this character has been on. She's going to change from what we see in yes. the Rings of Power through to what we see in the Third Age. Like, yep. And you should be able to pick up on that visually yeah. real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, exactly. I think it's so let's just look. And I, I apologize. Um, somebody was accusing me snow warning of straw manning. And I, 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 I'm not I, I, I'm not I don't I'm not trying to do that. I, I'm just I had this tweet in my head that was just sent to me like an hour ago. So um, or that I just read an hour ago anyway. Um, so I, that's where they were quoting that and saying basically they were quoting this in a list of inaccuracies of the show. The show is inaccurate in these various ways. Um, uh, and that was one of the points that was made. So it's, I, I, and I, and I don't mean to hold that up as typical, but, um, but again, the issue is I feel like people are not willing to let go of end of the third age. This is not end of the third age Galadriel. And it's okay. Like it's okay to tell the story. I think it's really interesting to tell the story, like a formation story of Galadriel. And I think that there's every reason to think, every reason from the mixed and conflicting stories that Tolkien wrote about Galadriel in the Second Age to think that there is a whole lot she is figuring out. She personally is figuring out. Um, she and Kelborn are figuring out. Um, uh, the elves in Middle-earth are figuring out, mm -hmm. right, there in the Second Age, um, about what happens. So, um, Also, how boring yeah. is it if there's no nuance? I mean, think about humans. Like, I am not the same from 10 minutes to the next 10 minutes, let alone a year to the next year, a millennia to the next millennia. Like, you should, I think somebody said it, you should be able to see immature Galadriel, scared Galadriel, brave Galadriel. Yeah, sometimes all in the same scene. Scarred um, Galadriel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see the depth that we see in the Kate Blanchett, you know, the later Galadriel that is established in this yeah. Galadriel. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, um, it, it's important to keep it in mind but, and to think that that's the future of this Galadriel, mm. right? Um, and the idea is that hopefully if it works well, right? Um, it will add a, a layer of richness to the later. You can go back to the Kate Blanchett and, you know, kind of look at that character, that concept um, with um, uh, in um, in in with uh, with with good with with sort of new eyes. Um, let's look at the image itself. What do you make of the posture now? So for, just just for a second, forget Goadriel. Like, forget context, because this is a cover image, right? So as a cover image, we have no context, right? As you say, if this is for people who are passing the magazine in train stations, we're not assuming anybody has the faintest idea who this person is. Uh, notice, where is the name Goadriel? It's there. It's in the second to smallest print on the entire page. The only thing smaller is the citation of Morvid Clark, right? And, and it's uh, between world exclusive and all access. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so this is, I mean, it's, it's not like Galadriel is across the front here, right? So again, you're seeing this from 15 feet away, right? As you walk past a kiosk, uh, 
uh, in the tube or whatever, right? Um, what's that person doing? What, what do you see in that person? What does the body language of this person communicate to you? Immediately, I see challenge, especially in the eyes. Yeah, you know that definitely. is a, a downturn yeah. chin with the eyes saying, you know, bring it. Yeah, but also like a steady confidence. You know, the way she's sitting is very relaxed. Uh, it's very like, I got this. I am in charge. I am confident. I agree. I, I see confidence. I don't have to watch my back. I am not scared. You know, it is a very strong pose. And the fact that it's relaxed, too, I feel like is even more powerful. She's not wielding her sword. She's not yeah. challenging, standing up loudly. She's sitting quietly going, I got this. Though also um, actually holding her knife, right? Yeah. Um, so so I'm, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> don't make me stand up and kick your butt. Yeah. But I am prepared to, should it come to that, right? Um and the armor too, like I think we've discussed this before. I don't know if we have or not, but like we'll, we'll just the stars. I feel like they have to mean something. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's metals or something, but like they bring gravitas to her image. It it feels like a I'm pretty hot in the military type situation. So don't mess with me. Right, right, right. Yes, yeah, exactly. The uh, uh, the enormous two handed sword whose hilt sticks up mm-hmm. above her back is. Um, a, you know, a threat of what could happen if she is in fact forced to stand up to deal with you, <laughs> right? Um, but it, this, but but at the same time, it's not threatening, right? As you say, it, there's there's also it's also relaxed, right? I mean, relaxed. look at the way her her left hand, the one on the right of the image, uh, is just yeah, it's just kind of hanging down, right? Um, she's relaxed. Also, I think like she was just picking dirt out of her. Right. Sorry. It looks like she was she just looks, picking dirt out of her nails or something. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say tired. Like she looks, mm. she looks not like I'm about to fall asleep. She's alert, clearly, you know, with her face and looking right at you. Weary. Um, but what? Weary. Yeah, weary. Like, um, like I just weary. finished kicking the butt of fifteen other people, and you can be next if you insist. But if not, I'm just gonna sit here for a bit. Um, I mean, there's still like orc blood on her shins. Like, yep. I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll rise to the challenge if you need me to, but I'm kind of tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a defiance. Um, it's not. Um, she's. Not, it's not like it's not taunting. It's not um, aggressive. Exactly right. Again, that's what I see in the um, the, like the. I, I agree. The combination of downturned face and upturned eyes. Not when you're looking over your glasses like that. In which case, I just look like Grandpa. But um, uh, but that that look is. Uh, is a, a a sort of a defiant look, um, mm-hmm. but I don't. Um, but I don't see it as th- like threatening or aggressive, especially because of the way her feet are. Her feet don't look like she's like ready to spring this monk. She's about to spring at you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's prepared. It's it's um, and again, this is the combination also of uh, the okay. She's sitting. Right. She's not standing. She's not kneeling. She's sitting down um, with her knees higher than her hips. Right. So she's sitting down on Mm -hmm. something, which which again is it's like that's why I I say weary. Right. Like there was nowhere else to sit. So I'm sitting on this thing, which is not really comfortable. I mean, when you're sitting with your with your butt below your knees, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Right. I mean, like that's an armor. 
especially in armor, right? Yeah, uh, your center of mass is really low. Again, that's uh, it's not how you'd normally sit for fun. And looking at the background, you can see she's in some kind of like what ruin or something like that. I mean, it's it's um I don't even know what it is she's sitting on. It might be a rock. She's it just might stone be of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. It does look um, hard. It might be a box. It looks like there might be rope or something on it. But I mean, might it's, be. can't tell. Um, it's not meant to be a throne or anything like that. It's it's not a fancy dining chair. Right. Exactly. So um, anyway, th- th- that's just another thing that makes me think that she's weary, like she's been exerting herself. Right. Because mm-hmm. she's um, uh, she's sitting down, whatever, in this random place. Um, but. I and and well, I don't know. I I don't want to go off on this tangent again, uh, but I also I don't understand the objections to the armor. I just don't. Why do people have a problem with Galadriel wearing armor? What's no? She's not wearing armor in the Lord of the Rings. What reason is there to think she wouldn't have ever worn armor? How is it that a story that includes Galadriel fighting and wearing armor? How is that? Why is it how? How is this like not fitting there's, Galadriel's story? There's many, there's many, many scenes where elves wear armor. Why can't Galadriel? Yes, of course she would wear thought? armor. It's Is it really just like, as a girl, she wouldn't do that? Like, is that is no. that the art? Because I don't think there's a really strong argument there. And that, what's this more, is how I, much I don't engage in all the mess. Because I'm like, really? People are saying that? That's not even worth us looking right. at. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just... Yeah, so... Um, uh, yeah, as First Fish says, we want her to survive to the Third Age. She should keep her armor on. Um, yeah. Now, Snow Warning, I don't know. Why do you say that? Why do you say that no elf should wear plate armor? Why not? First of all, she's not wearing plate armor. She's wearing mostly chain armor. She is wearing, um, like, greaves uh, on her legs. Is there a reason not to? Like, is it is as like protecting your shins like an unelfish thing for some reason? I just that I, again, I just don't. I don't see that. Why? Why would? Um, why wouldn't why would elves not wear plate armor? Why would Noldor not wear plate armor? Right? They were like the greatest uh, you know, metalsmiths of all time. Is there a reason they wouldn't wear plate armor? I just I don't see it. I don't understand. Um now I would be I would find it a little shocking if say Sylvan elves were wearing metal plate mail. That would seem weird to me because that would seem countercultural. It doesn't at all seem countercultural to me for um uh, for Noldor to be wearing plate mail. Why wouldn't they? I just, I don't get it. Um, uh, yeah, no, but like, do we know they don't have plate mail? Where in Tol- where does Tolkien say that they didn't wear plate mail? Uh, seriously, like, I see no manner, I, I see no way even to speculate about this. We're told that they go into battle. We're told that they, i pretty sure it's either <laughs> implied or stated that they wore armor. Why? Well, it's just, the reason I'm asking these questions is that I think it's important to put pressure on these things, right? Often we respond, and we've talked about this many times, right? One responds, but often without thinking why one has this response, right? Mm-hmm. If you really push on yourself, I mean, really push on yourself, it's okay to have a strong reaction. You might look at this and say, oh, it looks to me really wrong that an elf has plate mail. Right. It shows that you're passionate. That's totally right, normal. Which is fine. But then like my advice is then so, well, put some pressure on that. Why? What what why is that? What is it about that that strikes you as wrong? Is it a Goadriel thing? Is it an elf thing? Is it a this plate mail thing? 
what is it exactly that makes you that 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 what is the premise sort of behind that reaction and then examine that premise in turn right does that does that actually uh make sense um yeah um, and see, uh, so uh, Ravenwolf, the no plate armor thing is a first age thing for the sake of a tech evolution by the time of the third age. I see absolutely no justification from uh, Tolkien's, from the entire tenor of Tolkien's writings, which seem to indicate technology advancement doesn't work that way, especially with elves. The best technology was in the first age. It only gets worse as things get, the elves aren't getting better at this, right? I would expect the first age armor like the first age armor of the elves of Gondolin like to be the greatest armor ever, period. Mm. Um, this is what we see. This is why like it's a big deal when you find Glamdring and Orcrist and Sting, right? Those are blades from Gondolin, which means these are going to be better than anything you can find by any hacksmith made in the third age, right? That's the way it works in Tolkien's world. So, um, yeah, like if the elves had ever had good plate mail armor, it would have been in the first age. Besides which, that's when they were not only at war, right? Um, uh, that's not only when you were at war, uh, but they were like dedicated to war. The Noldor came to Middle-earth in order to make war for centuries on Morgoth. So yeah, I'm thinking they weren't like, ooh, plate mail. Not our aesthetic. Um, I think they were probably maxing out on that. Um, and uh, um, yeah, see, Tarlenian, there is so little that is described. Um, and I, I just, there is, I do not see any warrant from the text in saying that that didn't happen. And besides which, it's the wrong question to be asking. And this is the thing that I just keep, I don't even know. I need to find, I need to find time to sit down and devise a 140 character way to say this and say it a hundred thousand times. Um, pointing out something that is different from the adaptation, like a way in which the adaptation is different from the, from the books. That's not even a criticism. That's merely an observation. Um, even when you can find evidence and there is not evidence behind even a large fraction of the claims that I see made. Um, but even when there is, so what? People treat it like that's a smoking gun, right? Like you've you've done some, performed some kind of expose. It's okay. It's an adaptation, right? The question is, how are these details working in their story? So anyway, I I think and if you don't like it and you think it's it's a smoking gun why why let's talk about why? it because sometimes there's a real that. reason like I have real strong opinions about things that were omitted or changed and I can yes. back them up let's have a discussion and then there's sometimes where I'm confronted like why do you think the way I'm like okay I don't know so let me let me let me go ahead and think on that one right but yeah right yeah yeah um yeah. Uh, I was just looking at the one about the armor too where she said the unevenness bothers um i think that was praise moyer i don't think it's uneven i think it's torn i think it's I, ragged i think it's, right. it's ragged and battle-worn it's uh, it is yeah and yeah. and again think of this as the best armor in existence and it is that heavily frayed so yeah. she's seen some serious action yeah 
Yeah, I, I'm. I bet you that armor was made in the first age, <laughs> right? She's had that armor for a while. Um, yeah, no, and that's one of the things that's most striking about this costume is that it is it shows a lot wear. of use, a lot of use, mm-hmm. a lot of wear. We can see not only holes as on the inside of her right calf there, right? The the sort of worn hole in her armor. Mm-hmm. Um, and but we can also see what looked like looks like dried blood on her left shin, right? Um, so, um, yeah. What yeah. also struck me with this one was the complete lack of color. It's it's yes. almost completely monochromatic. Grayscale. Yeah. You're thinking about a magazine cover, and you're thinking about an elf. Wouldn't you automatically put them in some euphoric, beautiful, blissful utopia type situation? Nope. We're going no. to show it stark and dramatic yeah. Yeah. and heavy. I mean, these are rocks. These are, I mean, she could be down in the mines for all we know in the caves and just, just yeah. heavy, which is not yeah. what we associate. So therefore it's going to pique your interest and be like, wait, what? And yeah. they make sure that ear is shown, which I know there's so much divisive commentary about the ears. But again, we're talking about wide appeal. I'm going to notice the ear and be like, elf, Lord of the Rings, dark and mm-hmm. grim, powerful woman. What? that's enough to kind of engage you and and have a think yeah yeah um one of the other things that i'm really interested in with like i just kind of backing up and looking at like the aesthetic of the entire image um it's not just that she's not like polished up and fancy right uh and standing in some elegant pose um if you kind of extrapolate from her Right. If you take her as I mean, especially look at the way they've prompted us to cover one of three, the elves. Right. Here's the elves. This is the elves. This is the represent representative image of the elves. Now, we know that they're going to do the elves standing around in beautiful flowing garments in elegant surroundings. We saw some of that in the trailer with what looked like Gilgalad and Linden. Right. But um, but this is the image they've chosen for the elves. Right. And what they're telling us about the elves is at least this elf um, as representative of the elves, that the elves in the second age are weary, but determined, battle scarred people literally squatting in the dark ruins of, you know, uh, a place where evil has collapsed. Right. That's what it looks like. like. Yeah. And still at war. Yeah. yeah, they're not at their peaceful living in yeah. the woods in bliss. They're they're at war. And that I that like that description I just gave, that sounds very second age to me. Like that I can get behind that as a characterization um of elves. It's it's amazing to me how boring <laughs> again, like the idea um it's like this is why, again, you have to think it through in terms of the story that's being told, right? You can't just compare details. You have to compare stories. And it's hard now because we don't have any story, right? But if you try, this is why what I do when I am looking at these images, of course, I look at details. But um, what I'm trying to do is go from the details to story, right? Try to, try, try to get a sense. What's the story here in this picture? What are we seeing in the story? Um, and um, uh, because that's what that's what's in, that's what matters, right? That's what's interesting. Um, and the story that I'm seeing, the Galadriel story that I'm seeing, is fascinating. And the Galadriel story, 
that it seems like people are asking for without realizing they're asking for it is incredibly boring. I want Galadriel at the beginning of the Second Age to be exactly the same as she was at the end of the Third Age, um, you know, to do very little and to progress not at all. Um, and whatever you do, don't let there be any conflict or, I mean, like, it's it's weird. Like, I know they're not actually saying that, but but that, like, if you say, if the problem that you have is she doesn't look the same, she doesn't act the same. There's difference in her character from here to the end of the third age. Then, so, like, yeah. think it through. Like, are you? Yeah. Do you really want her to be uh, exactly the same person in exactly the same place? It just doesn't make any sense. And are you the um, same person you were when you were twelve? And we're talking right. millennia. Right. Exactly. And yes, elves do change over the course of millennia. They are not these unchanging things. That's one of the things that's fascinating. Uh, Tolkien's world building is actually really counterintuitive, counter to the intuitions that a lot of fans get. Like, for instance, you might say, well, um, just to give one small example, on the linguistic side, right? Um, Tolkien said that you, you might think that if elves had been around for thousands of years, like why are the why are their languages changing, right? Why why does the you know the whole premise right is that the elves go off to Valinor and some stay in Middle Earth, and when they come back, their languages have grown apart from each other, and so that's why there's Quenya uh, and Sindarin, right? Um, and so some people say like, well, what shouldn't they? I mean, it's the same people. Like it's not like you know fifty generations later the languages changed like don't they remember what they spoke? I mean, we've all known people who 30 years later have the same accent that they had, you know, before they emigrated or whatever, right? Like that that kind of thing happens. You're kind of an example of that here, <laughs> Maggie, increasingly, right? Uh, over there in the UK, still with your American accent. Um, why weren't the Valinorian elves like that, right? Why didn't they- Some of they... us just don't pick it up. Some, exactly, but, but Tolkien's response to that, I mean, he does kind of think about that in various ways, but what he says is actually far from being more unchanging than humans, elves are in many ways more changeable than humans because more creative, more interested in uh, making new things and exploring new things and learning new things. Um, so they, um, uh, they often, uh, they, so like the, their language shifted um, not in not like subconsciously or sort of accidentally, but because they were like tweaking it and inventing new things. Um, so again, far from being like imagining elves as humans, but in stasis, right? In some sense, mm -hmm. right? No, actually elves can be even more, um, you know, dynamic uh, in their growth and change uh, because, because of the ways in which they're different from, uh, from, from people. But um, uh, anyway, um, okay. Uh, let's look possibly more briefly at the other two because I want to make sure we get to the other images as well. Um, I also just want to say something real quick about yeah. the, the language of the covers that I hadn't noticed before until you said okay. the elves bit. Look at the little quotes. Don't expect the same Galadriel. Right. Kazad Doom is unlike anything we've seen before. Uh -huh. We're the traditional Tolkien little guy. Okay. Like how to set the scene don't expect the same Gladriel. So it's already like, this is new and exciting. Kaz yeah. Doom is unlike anything we've seen before. This is new and exciting. But don't worry, we're totally sticking to Tolkien. Right. You know? Right. There's this real like assurance, like, this is amazing, this is amazing, but we're traditional, and this is Tolkien. 
Yes. Interesting. That's all. I have no commentary beyond that. It was just like, wow, what a message they're sending on these three quotes. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. It is really a, a kind of like a two in one thing. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Second one. Okay. Um, actually, let's go to the third one. Um, okay. let's, let's jump around. Let's look at the Harfoots because I see a lot of people were kind of talking about that. Um, yeah. uh, I don't have any problem with the Harfoots. I think it looks really interesting. I agree. The hair thing is a little bit weird, but like, you know, it's not my culture. Um, yeah. I, I, I think wearing leaves in your, and nuts in your hair is, looks weird and awkward. But then again, I think that about a lot of fashions I see people doing. So like, whatever, like I, I'm not going to judge. Um, the sense of it is, um, the sense of it is, um, like the general aesthetic that it provides is some kind of like close to nature vibe. Right. Um, mm -hmm. uh, which, okay. I mean, also with the, is that a, a bark basket? with produce in it by Poppy's right foot there. It does look that way. Yes. I think so. Yep. So we've That'd got some, heavy. We, we've got, yeah, we've got a, what I, I think is some kind of bin or something. Mm. And then what looks like a wicker basket. So we're getting some kind of sense of their technology. Agricultural. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. and similar to the hobbits, we're familiar with Jackson, you know, a focus on food and farming and, yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, even... that's Poppy. I think the one on the left is, I believe, Poppy. And Nori is the one in the middle, right? Yeah, I think so. Sorry. And even I'm, the apron. I'm in a constant wearing... state of, like, losing track of what's been said publicly. and what's. Um, but I'm pretty sure those names dropped in Vanity Fair. Didn't they drop in Vanity Fair? I'm, I have vague memories of this. Anyway, whatever. I'm the worst person to ask, but I'm like, yeah. yes. I'm pretty sure. Them? I'm pretty sure that they did. But anyway, whatever. Also, the apron that she's wearing is very like produce collecting, right? Like that's where you right. would pick yes. an apple and stick it in the fold of the. Yeah. Yes. There's a heavy focus on that, I think, and mushrooms at their feet and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh right. Are those mushrooms over there? Yeah, that is mushrooms by his feet. So. Oh, I see the stalks. Okay. Huh? Yeah, I think that other one's a mushroom then too, the one by that the stalk. That probably stump. is. Yeah, I thought it was a basket. It looked wicker, but I suppose it's yeah. a mushroom top. That's fine. Um, but I agree. Um, it certainly looks um, um, hunter gather ish, right? I think that that's um, mm -hmm. uh, and rough. Yeah. I mean, those are those are hand spun, woven fabrics and cloaks, and very dirty and very tattered and. Right. Oh, JJ has come to my rescue. Yes. Empire Magazine described this on their Instagram as uh, uh, Poppy, Proudfellow, um, Eleanor, Nori, Brandyfoot, and Seduck Burrows. So there we go. Okay. I was pretty sure I wasn't I wasn't breaking any embargoes by saying that. But uh, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I knew it. I, I, I was sure I had run into that somewhere. Um uh, okay. Okay. Um, but that's fine. So there we are. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So we're, the other thing that we're seeing is poverty. Um, mm -hmm. you know, very, the, 
materials, like the clothing is very rough, um, very, you know, sort of very, very homespun. Um, yeah, Edith, let me address the Eleanor thing. This, this has been a, um, uh, uh, a subject of prodigious comment, um, even just among those of us who are in London. Um, I, I have the following, uh, here's my logic about the, about that. I'm not stressing about it. That's my conclusion. Um, and here's my, the following logic. Um, I know that the showrunners know what Eleanor is and the significance of Sam's daughter's name and the associate, the history of the Eleanor flower and everything else. Like I know that they know this, right? Knowing that they know this, they have chosen to give her the name Eleanor. And I am therefore, it's, again, I see people say, um, and again, I know, I apologize, no warning. I know it sounds like I'm just straw manning again, but I apologize if you can hear lots of puppy squeaking going on below me. Yeah, it's pretty cute. <laughs> kind of obnoxious, but um, there we are. Um, <laughs> squeaky toys. Anyway, point is, um, I hear people on, t- I, so I, I get this stuff on Twitter all the time. You know, people saying like, see, they have no idea what they're talking about. They don't know that, you know, Eleanor was blah, 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 you know, that, that flower wouldn't have been blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, look, I don't know the story, right? I don't know like the rationale behind that they actually have behind giving her this name. I do know that they know all that, <laughs> right? Like I know that they know those things, right? I know that they know those things. I know that they're thinking about this. Um, this is definitely not just a matter of, I mean, just from having met the, those people, I am very convinced that they're not just like, Eleanor, that's a Hobbit girl right. name, right? That's yeah, name. that's good. Fans will like it if we just like, they like Sam. And so Sam's daughter's named Eleanor, so we'll name her Eleanor. But, but it's problem solved, right? I, that's obviously not their rationale. Like these people are way more intelligent than that and know their Tolkien really, really well. I don't know what their rationale is. No clue how it's going to fit into the story, how it, how that could be explained. So when people say, how could she be named Eleanor after the flower? Would there have been any possibility of that? We don't even know where they live. Right. So I, who knows where exactly uh, they were and what the story was there. Um, so I'm not stressing about it because I'm I am confident that they have an answer. I don't know what their answer is. Um, I don't even know for sure that I'll love their answer if I ever do hear it. But I know that they have an answer uh, to this. So um, so I, that's why I'm not stressed about it. So we'll see. Um, but it's, but I, do I, you know, I don't consider it like a red flag or anything like that. It's, in, it's interesting. It piques my curiosity about the character, right? Um, the one thing that I find really interesting is, uh, so her friend is named Poppy, right? Um, which is uh, sort of a more common kind of flower, right? So you've got this one, um, well, literally garden variety flower, right? Poppy. And then you've got this other exotic elf flower, Eleanor, right? And it does not seem to me a coincidence that the character who's named after the exotic elf flower is the one whose voiceover in the trailer is talking about, haven't you ever wondered about lands beyond our own, right? Um, So there seems to be some kind of story there with her, with her family, who knows, right? That, that That she is countercultural in some ways, right? We got that from the first five seconds of the trailer. Right. And so it doesn't seem to me wholly unfitting 
that her name should be of a different in a different kind of flower genre, right, than the other flowers there. So again, this this su- um, suggests to me that there's some interesting story. There's some interesting thinking going on here. Don't know what it is yet. Can't judge. Um, but uh, but that's why I'm not stressing out about it. I'm sure I'm sure there is an explanation. Um, uh, okay. Um, What about the dwarves? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just still looking at the Hartford one. I'm like, I have nothing else to add. That yeah. I'm just, it's, yeah. I'm, um, Besides, I, I really love the smile on the ladies. I just feel like it's very enticing and warming and welcoming and very Hobbit-like. Right, right. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, I do think, um, I do think, Snow Warning, that they are, um, Evoking similarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they want to show a continuity. Notice there's also um, in this. And it's interesting that I was just talking about like technological decline versus technological increase. Right. Um, there are reasons to believe that like the hobbits of the Shire are more advanced more technologically. Mm-hmm. So their, their textiles are probably better. Right. Their technology is probably better. Their agricultural techniques are are probably more advanced, right? Why? In, for, in Tolkien's purposes, why would that be? In Tolkien's world, why would that be? Because of their contact with the Dunedain, principally, is what Tolkien says, right? They have some contact with the elves, more contact with the Dunedain, and they learn a lot of things, building techniques, agricultural techniques from them, right? Um, but this is before that. This is before that entire... I mean, there's no such thing as Dunedain yet, or at least they're all still in Westerness, right? Um, well, those that aren't visiting... Whatever, anyway. It's complicated, right? But the point is, it's it's before that time. So yeah. I like the fact that, they, that what we're seeing is something which is much more um, uh, like a, somewhere like Stone Age, Iron Age. Mm-hmm. That seems totally fitting, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and... Uh, uh, just really interesting to me um, uh, uh, to sort of depict these sort of humble beginnings. And what I would what I would hope to see is some uh, through lines that is to, where, where you can see where later Hobbit culture is going to come from. Right. Yeah. So there'll be some kind of continuities. Um, and, and then just informed, you know, that. You don't want to see it planted yeah. there just for planting sake. But the no. same thing we were thinking about the showrunners, they they know their stuff. So it yeah. makes sense to establish some traditions or some looks or some behaviors or songs right. that we might notice from many years right. later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very possibly. Uh, yeah. Mm. Praise Moyer says the hunter-gatherer look is why I think that the, uh, the, the, the moose elk carrying people uh, are Harfoots as well. Um, on the one hand, praise, I kind of hope so, as that would explain the proportions of those elk antlers. Um, uh, but um, at the same time, I will, I look forward to, I still have never had anyone explain to me why you would go out with antlers strapped to you like that. Again, I, you know, whatever. I, uh, um, uh, I, I, I'm not going to judge. Um, but, um, Okay, uh, dwarves. dwarves. Um, I actually hang on a second. 
Okay. At the same time, let's play the same game that we did with Goadru with the other two. Both of the other two images. Going back to the Harfoots for a second. What does their body language tell you? Again, 15 feet, kiosk, tube. What are you learning from this? I'm seeing three separate things. We are three people, right? Um, Poppy's smile says mischievous, mm-hmm. right? We're getting like a mischievous smile. There's, there's a smile there. Um, you'll notice it's the only one. A dwarf queen is also smiling, a kind of a regal smile, right? But um, Poppy is smiling like she's, like she has fun, right? Like mm-hmm. she's, um, I get slightly mischievous smile, slightly more, um, uh, uh, Nori in the middle has this like, um, you know, the like, I am pleased, but, uh, I am not smiling expression on. It's quite bold too. She's just like, yeah. Her, her posture, you know, her shoulders and yeah. Leaning um, back a little bit, but mm-hmm. they both have a foot forward, which I feel like is important. Yeah. And technically he does too, but he doesn't feel forward. He feels backward. Yes, exactly. Um, I agree, Scott, that him facing away from them does feel important, Mm -hmm. right? He's not got his like back all the way to them, right? He's with them. They're all facing, their faces are all facing us, right? In the same direction. And yet the different orientation of his shoulders, he's, Mm -hmm. his body is oriented in in a different direction. It does suggest that there's a divide. Um, I, I feel invited to imagine a divide there. And if we want to go deep into body language, you know, in the center, we have two open arms and she's the wander adventurer. Then we have one arm in front. So she's probably a little bit more hesitant, but good friends. And then we've got that guy with arms crossed saying, nope. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least hands folded. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It looks, he looks more closed. He looks more mm-hmm. um, skeptical. Skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the awesome. fact that he has uh, gray hair um, mm-hmm. uh, and I can't figure out whether it's just hair or whether those are like sideburns to put Elvis Presley to bitter, bitter shame. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, the, I mean, it, those could be the greatest mutton chops in the world um, is what it kind of looks like. But anyway, whatever. Are. Yeah. yeah, but no, I, I, no chin strap. No, no, no chin strap exactly no yeah. he's anyway it's it's cool he's doing the whole um the whole like leonine main thing right which gives mm. him a sense of 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 authority the grayness right he's not only male and they're female he's also um uh and, and pointing in the other direction he's older he's older and they're young so um again that the, there's definitely sort of differences right mm-hmm. um uh I don't just mean differences like they're not identical. I mean, there's like a divide, right? No, it seems. but I, I mean, just from a, a again, visual point, it's also nice to see diversity across two of these covers and it's mm-hmm. not a focal point. It's just, there it is. Yeah. You know, that's also nice to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. A couple people are saying there's some, there you know, seems perhaps some kind of uh, reminiscence of a, a British judicial wig uh, in his uh, in his hair. Yeah. Apart from the um, well pointedly receding headline, 
or hairline, right? Which again, like I'm all about it, right? So you can see it's, I think, I think he's pretty much rocking my, my hairline, maybe a little bit further back even. You need right? to work on the chops. The chops. Yeah, exactly. I got to <laughs> fall in way behind on the mutton chop thing. That's primarily because I want to stay married. But um, uh, anyway, yeah. So, yeah. No, I think, um, uh, yeah. But, like, whether they're actually going for judicial or just, um, you know. And, but also, like, the hands folded, like his posture. Um, he's more closed in compared to Nori there again, who does look very bold. I think is, is, I think is right. Yeah. Okay. Dwarves, their body posture primarily says to me, so the, what is the center piece of this? What is the focal point of this image? Their hands in the middle, right? I'm like the framing of this is just textbook. It's a, it's a gorgeously framed picture. I've definitely talked about it in other classes and stuff, but like the rule of thirds thing where you can divide an image into three, this yeah. nails it. Yeah. 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 Um, and the, rather than have a third person in the middle, right. Um, it's their clasped hands in the middle mm-hmm. that are the, um, that are the image, right. That are, that, 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 that are the centerpiece. This tells mm-hmm. me, um, I feel that this image is communicating to me that the relationship between these two, um, is the, is a, you know, a very, very important thing, right. Is going to be a real, a real focal point. Um, uh, the, however, their relationship is not going to be entirely smooth. I think as, uh, this seems to be communicated to me by the significant discrepancy in their facial expressions, (laughs) right. His grumpy, hers, very pleasant and pleased. His is like smirky. His is like, a little bit. Yeah, this it's 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 not gr- wry. Perhaps would be a better way yeah. to describe it, right? He has a wry expression. Um, the tilt up of one eyebrow, right? He's mm-hmm. got that going on. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I um, um, I like it so much. Gold, right? I mean, gold is is clearly the dominant. That's what you would notice from like thirty feet away, right? Yeah. Um, uh, is all the gold in that? I like that for the dwarves. Um, I like that it's all very man-made hard edges. Uh, there's there's a real chiseled straight lines, 90 mm-hmm. degree angles, you know, real specific. Yeah, it does seem to fade up there. into what looks like more natural rock around the very top mm-hmm. of the image in the background behind all the titles. Um, but I agree, like the focal point there are what mm-hmm. I think those are their chair backs. The thrones, right? Which, yeah. The, like the thrones they're on or whatever would look like thrones. With like a, with like a um, fire behind yeah. them, fire pit yeah. behind them. Yeah, so there's a, a like a, yeah, like a row of fire, like a fire pit or mm-hmm. I don't know what which, which you call it when it's in a row, right? Like a lo- an elongated brazier or something. <laughs> um, and um, uh, And then, yes, all of those all of those uh, angular lines. This has almost always been the aesthetic associated with dwarves, um, like geometric shapes and and uh, straight lines and angles and things. And that makes perfect sense because those, it's so much easier to do straight lines than curves when you're carving in stone or metal. Like there's a reason that um, like 
you know, Norse and Anglo-Saxon runes are all angular, right? Because it's way easier to chip a triangle uh, into wood or stone than it is to occur, to make a curve, right? Um, but um, so anyway, so that that seems to me to fit. I love the gold. The gold has been a thing with these dwarves since the beginning. It's been a major motif. Remember even seeing the gold dust on the hands uh, in the earlier images that we saw. Um, and, but I love uh, that the gold is also really warm and earthy somehow. I mean, it'd be very easy for this to just be like bling, you know, and right. it's not, I mean, obviously they're showing their wealth and their stature and all of that, but it feels very warm and earthy as opposed to shiny, shiny. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Warm. Um, mm. It's good for it's very much a fire lit scene, right? This is not mm -hmm. a sunlit scene. Again, fitting. Mm -hmm. um, um, but the result of that, the result of the the yellow, you know, the orange yellow firelight and the gold, is this extremely warm color palette. And the wood table and his red hair and her brown hair. It's just very rich, you know. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I also feel like they're sitting quite far apart. Is that? Yes. Did that strike you? Yeah. Well, I'm like if you're going to grasp somebody's hands, it feels quite awkward to hold your arm out at that angle. Yes, I agree. Um, I agree. But though, again, it strikes me as sort of of a piece with what I'm getting about their relationship. Right. Um, like, uh, <laughs> They're close, but they're not that close, <laughs> right? They're close, but they're not a unit, right? There's some tension, but there's also some, if you look there's at the, some space. Yeah, yeah, if you do look at the chairs, though, I guess the chairs couldn't be that much closer together because they're so grand. But and that they're does, presumably arms, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the chairs do suggest, you know, right. <laughs> that they do have some tension between them, and there is some space between them. Yeah, but they're reaching across it at the same time, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, there's something, as you say, that's not like you wouldn't sit like this holding your arm at, like that to hold hands with somebody to like watch a movie or something. Right. Right. Um, but um, I mean, this is not a snuggling on the couch kind of moment, um, no. but it is, uh, you know, this like, so it does convey this, like I am reaching, um, I am reaching out, across the divide. Uh, you know, across this divide. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, um, Let's see. Edith says, do we know if this is an arranged union or an organic one? Yes, but we can't tell you. Sorry. I told you I'd be honest with you and tell you when I was keeping things from you. And, and I am. We, I do. We do. We did see a little bit more about this in this scene. But soon we'll tell you as soon as we can what we do know. Um, but keep in mind, this means all of the rest of the times I've not been saying that. I'm, we're really, <laughs> if ever else I tell you, I, if I ever tell you I don't know something, it's because I don't know. Um, if I know but can't tell you, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I like yeah. your style. Yeah. What do you think um, about the gold chalice in front of her? It, it seems super, like, purposeful to put a grail you know, a gold right. chalice right. in front yes. of her. Yes. Why are they? Why are they uh, uh, setting light to the grail-shaped beacon I mean, here on this cover? It's yeah. Bigger than her head when you mm -hmm. zoom in. You know, it's it's literally bigger than her head. So proportionally, it's it's kind of problematic to me. Though it also, I can't tell how much in the foreground it is. Um, and also, I. I mean, it it does not look like a tiny little egg cup under any circumstances. But I wonder 
how much closer to us it is than her. Um, it looks like halfway on the table. It also looks like the more I zoom into it, the more it looks superimposed. So I'm like, was that a late add-on? Right, I have no idea. It does look no. ceremonial. Um, mm. It does look ceremonial. Um, yeah, are those papers, Phil? Yeah, I wonder if those are papers on the table in mm. front of him. Um, uh, but um, anyway, the with the grail... I'm not sure what to make of the grail. It's so squarely in front of her, it almost blends into the gold on the front of her. Um, in fact, I think I looked at this for quite a while before I even noticed that, that was a separate object. I thought it was mm -hmm. like a gold plate on her, like among her gold plates on the front of her, uh, like necklace, neck thing going on there. Mm. Um, but um, anyway, she's got that papers. I guess those are papers. I think Look so. Like it looks papers. like they might be in like a maybe they're in a leather wallet or something, but it definitely looks like a document. Right. So he um right, Phil says it looks a bit CGI. I'd be very surprised if that were the case. Um I would just say. I'm sure there's a load of CGI touch up on it, but the right. chalice really does look CGI to me. I wonder if it maybe was added? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, we don't know. Maybe they but, looked at it and said you... what we really need is a chalice. Uh, I don't know. But also just to make it glow this way, like it's definitely going to be super Photoshopped. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Don't know. But anyway, um, symbolically having the chalice in front of her and papers in front of him suggests mm. she like large cup says to me hospitality more than anything else. Maybe I'm wrong. It could be ceremony as well. Like, you know, even almost like a, almost religious ceremony that could be associated with her. Um, uh, maybe with the cup and associating that with hospitality, I'm being too influenced by um, like Eowyn and the cup at dinner, you know, in Anglo-Saxon, you know, following Anglo-Saxon tradition um, uh, in the two towers, that kind of thing. Um, but like the offering of the cup and the having of the cup, when there's only one cup, like if they had both had cups, it would just be what they were drinking out of. Right. But if she has a special cup, it suggests some kind of uh, um, uh, some kind of uh, like welcome cup or something like this. It's kind of what it mm -hmm. makes me think of, but maybe that's, maybe that's wrong. Um, the papers do business that I agree, Pontine and uh, JJ, that definitely, that's what I associate with it when I see the papers on the, on the table there. Um, but um, yeah. Okay. Let's look at other images. Cause we're like almost out of time yeah. and I could talk about the covers forever, but I know. Okay. So, so we've, we've got, got the, the sorry. What? We still have so much to get through. <laughs> so much to get through. So we're gonna we're gonna go fairly quickly through some of these. Um, just do some impressions because um, I definitely want to get to Celebrimbor, which a lot of people want to talk about. Snow troll, John Howe drew the snow troll. There you go. Um, John Howe, need we say more? John um, Howe. This did like the blue did remind me of um, very much a Star Wars imagery. I like I thought we were on Hoth for a hot second, but other right. than that, I thought it was glorious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's cool. And this is this is mostly just funny to me because like for months I've been hearing people say on Twitter um, that like, you know, the snow troll looked so hokey and like, you know, uh, John Howe would never stand for something like would have never stood for something like that in the Lord of the Rings films. And I'm like, uh, OK, what's a snow troll? No clue. I have no idea. Um, 
I don't even know that. if it's actually a thing. Like, that's what that's what it gets called. Um, uh, that is, I don't know if people inside the show call it that. Like, does Galadriel call it a snow troll? I don't know. Um, that's what I mean. That it's been called that. You know, I'm pretty sure nobody in the show is going to call the guy Meteor Man either, right? Um, so. I don't know. I don't know. Is, is there a such thing as a troll made from snow? A troll that lives in snow? I don't know. I mean, what I do know, of course, is that trolls are very, like, you know, the mythic roots of trolls is very Nordic. So um, that trolls might exist in a uh, in a in a snowy environment seems legit to me. But um, yeah, no, no idea. Um, uh, so, so yeah, so this is called the, people call this the snow troll, but again, is that an in-world thing? I don't even know. Mm. Until it is an in-world thing and I hear how it's used in-world, I'm not even going to worry about it. Um, but, because uh, again, I don't know what they mean. Do they mean a snow troll in the same sense that, like, trolls are, like, it, it's associated with snow in the same way that other trolls are associated with stone? I have no idea. Um, and I see no reason to even speculate in that direction until we know more, but... Um, what I do like is that they included John Howe's signature on there because that feels yeah. very like, look, we got yeah. the right people. Look at this original piece of art, you know? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, exactly. Yeah, maybe he turns into snow when exposed to sunlight. That would be kind of fun. Um, <laughs> and here he is, right, in the trailer. This is uh, uh, the, yeah. which there's some snow clinging to him. But other than that, and that it appears to be cold, I don't see any reason to. I love how this is labeled you know, he's given the first look stamp by Empire, even though, of course, we've all seen this dozens mm-hmm. of times before, but that's okay. Um, okay. Um, I am not deeply moved by this image. I don't have any of the depth of knowledge you have. And my first thought was, what Star Trek movie is this from? He <laughs> does not look impactful. It looks like the forgotten movie and the captain that was cut. My, um, until proven otherwise, I'm going to believe that those are his PJs. <laughs> I think he just got out of bed. I love right? how you give everything the benefit of the doubt, Corey. Excellent. I, that's what I think. I think he just got out yep. of bed, and he's um, that's why he's got that kind of grumpy look, right? Staring off preparing, into the sunlight, or maybe preparing for Elven graduation because sitting through those can be torturous. So those oh man, are his, I can those only are imagine. Academic robes. Can only imagine. No, his academic robes. Even my academic robes are fancier than that. That's true. Um. But yeah, no, I think uh, PJs, PJs um, uh, works for me. Um, the hair, oh, the poofy hair. Yeah. So I don't, I don't. As far as like from the shoulders up, like from the neck up, I don't think I hate it. 
I, I'm not saying that I love that hairstyle and want to emulate it, even assuming that were possible. Um, but I don't hate it. For, look, I, I've been privately hoping, I've said this many times, um, that if they need to make somebody into a jerk in order to make Galadriel and Elrond look more noble by contrast, Celebrimbor has been my vote from the beginning. Um, if somebody's got to get thrown under the bus, I, I vote Celebrimbor. I'm throwing Celebrimbor under the bus every time, right? Um, so if you need somebody who is going to be like somebody who's going to be made a fool of somebody who's going to be the, um, the like it says there's got to be conflict, right? So um, if we're going to have characters saying, oh, we know, for instance, like what we know of the drama of the second age is you've got some people saying this Anatar dude, probably bad news. Let's have nothing to do with him. Right. And some people, Celebrimbor primarily saying, oh no, I'm sure it'll be fine. What's the worst that could happen? Right. Um, so we know that there's going to be this sort of conflict, right? We've seen so many times somebody who, I mean, I mean, it's a really cliched idea, but it's also a kind of a fundamental scene stent setting concept, right? We have one person who says like, we should take action. We should be on the alert against this thing. And somebody who says, no, let's not do that. Let us like ignore things and everything's okay. And stop raising, stop rabble rousing and raising trouble, right? There's almost always got to be one character often played by an elderly male, right? Who gets the like role of the pastor, you know, John Lithgow's character in Footloose, right? Or whatever, like the, you know, the stick in the mud character who um, mm -hmm. a character like Goadriel has to be in conflict with, right? Mm -hmm. um, my fear all along has been uh, that that would be, um, has been that that would be uh, Gilgalad. And I didn't want it to be Gilgalad, right? Um, I didn't want, because I could easily imagine that. I could easily imagine Gilgalad being the one whom they decide is going to be the, like, conservative, like, whatever dude, and then mm -hmm. have Elrond and Galadriel be the underappreciated folks whose warnings are not heeded or whatever, right? Um, but anyway, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, not not the depth of it, just the, the visual immediacy what i am interested in is just like this actor he's a really famous stage actor like he could do mm -hmm. some really cool stuff from with it i'm still trying to keep an open mind that this this could be this could right. be really good okay but hang on a second I, 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 I just have some questions for people who are asking questions or making oh, comments um question raven wolf says definitely doesn't look like a ringsmith what does a ringsmith look like <laughs> I'm, I'm not just trying to be a wise guy. Like, I'm serious. What does a ringsmith look like? Um, now, see, again, this is where when we see. Be especially, especially cautious when you're seeing a character for the first time. Right. When you see a character for the first time is when you're going to have the biggest um, reaction of, oh, my gosh, that's different from how I've always pictured in my head in lots of different mm. ways. Right. Um and that's fine. Like, you're totally entitled to dislike whatever you want to dislike. But I, I always find those initial reactions very untrustworthy. 
mostly because they're they're the ones that are least based on actual reason, right? And most based on emotion, most based on a visceral response to something that is different, rather something different from your expectation, different from your own what you've imagined in your head. And I say this whether it's a purely aesthetic thing or even whether it's an idea thing. People are talking about how, like, but wait, Caleb Brimbor is a generation down the genealogical tree from Goadriel. Why does he look older? Wait a second. Why are you so bothered about this? This is, this is, that's plastic. There's no reason we can't play with that. Is there a reason we can't play with that? Why, why, why would that story not fit? Um, um, yeah. Would that be like if they showed Caleb Brimbor as having serious seniority over Goadriel, would that be a change? Yeah, that would be a change. Um, I'm not convinced it would be a bad change. I'd be interested in that. Um, there's something actually that I think that could work really well with that. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, uh, I, I find I could definitely be convinced to show Celebrimbor as being senior to Galadriel. Why? Because I think it would be one way. Um, what is one of the potential? What is one of the obvious tensions between Celebrimbor and Galadriel, as far as Tolkien's work is concerned? Feanorian versus non-Feanorian, right? Celebrimbor is like the Feanorian in this season, right? He's not just the grandson of Feanor. He is the one who is, in a sense, trying to carry on or perhaps recuperate his grandfather's legacy, right? He's trying to, like. I'm as good as Feanor, except I'm not, a, you know, uh, I'm not a madman. So, like, there's, there's, there's all kinds of. But remember, the Feanor, that's the, that's the, that's the senior line, right? One of the other things I don't know if they're going to play this, but one card that's available to be played is that the Feanorians still feel like they should be king, right? That they're the elder line that was that was disenfranchised voluntarily on Mithros's part, though not supported by all of his uh, brothers, including Celebrimbor's dad. Um, and um, so if they, so, so again, what I do is I, what I try to do is get away from my initial visceral reactions and say, okay, um, how, how might this be working? What, how does this fit in with their story? And if they wanted to show, if they wanted to represent in Celebrimbor, the elder line of the Noldor, who's been pushed aside and mm. marginalized, one way to visually convey that, like viscerally convey that to people, is to show him looking older than Goadriel looks. By the way, how elves look doesn't even necessarily mean anything about how old they are. Um, how they look is a little bit voluntary. You just um, explained so much to me and other stuff. Um, okay, so there's a lot of conversation. Doesn't look like a ringsmith, you know, all this stuff. The only thing most people know about Celebrimbor is that he he forged the rings, right? Yeah. So yeah. there was a question earlier on. So why is this our first image? And I feel like, you know, four minutes ago, I was like, yes, why is this our first? Image? I feel like you just explained that because what we know is that he's a ringsmith. He's a ringsmith. So if they had shown us a picture of him in the forge or wearing an apron or you know, actually, that doesn't give us anything new. But right. giving us that image and then attaching the name Celebrimbor where we can go, oh, he's the ringsmith. But wait, he looks quite political and in a very fancy atmosphere and wearing a weird outfit. But I'm going to ignore that. And, you know, so it does give us a lot more. So it, in one image, they gave us a lot more depth to this character. We thought we knew what we knew about him. 
I yeah. I mean, if we just saw him at the forge, it would have been like check, yep. which is exactly. fine. Exactly. You know. Oh, he's the um, dude that made the rings. Instead, what we see is him staring off stage right with now. Wait, hang on a second. Tell me about the right versus left thing. Right is that the the way he's facing is progress. Hang on, I need to get back to the image. I was on you. Things go um, from left to right. If they move from left to right, so he. God, I'm still trying to get back to the image. He's looking to the right. Yeah. So he's, I mean, yeah, I mean, technically that is forward progression because he is looking to the right, but look how far into the frame he is. He doesn't have very far to go. Though it means he's pretty far forward. That still feels pretty closed off to me. Okay. So I I guess, and I mean, filmically you could say, yeah, he's in the final third. So like it is forward progression, but he's, he's already progressed. He doesn't have far to go, but that could also be quite a detriment that he's about to cross over into the dark side. And that's kind of what this face looks like, but he's facing the light and the third of the image that is on the right hand side where he's facing is the light part of the image and the darkness Mm -hmm. is behind him and look at his face, right? You got the shadows, and the back part of his head mm. and his face is towards the light and facing into the light. It looks very hopeful to me. I mean, again, if I didn't know anything about his character, I'd be like, I'm, I might be inclined to be like, this is a guy who maybe has a dark past, but he is considering like, you know, going in a positive direction. I'm not sure. I mean, it, that I doesn't make any sense feel, to me. Yeah. But. I don't know if I feel that, but no? I, can, I can see. He certainly has that. troubled brow. He is looking with troubled yeah. brow. That is the, that's, is, is, that's a Conan phrase, isn't it? Sitting on his head with troubled <laughs> like brow. Like I see I him looking, but yeah, I see him looking towards the light. I can see that being optimistic. The space behind him through that doorway is very bright, but yes. it doesn't look like he's going there. He's going no. another direction. Yeah. There is still light coming from behind him though, too. So I, I don't know how much importance I would put on light in this yeah. image. But the the final third of the the three of this image, I would say, is is quite telling that there is forward progression, but he's either progressed as far as he can or he's very stuck and limited. Right. I like snow, snow warning as a observation that it looks like uh, uh, he's looking at someone yeah. he, uh, causing <laughs> mischief in his yard. Right. Um, like he's just about to yell out the window. Right. Get off my lawn. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that's quite accurate. He looks a little more <laughs> contemplative than uh, grumpy and alarmed. Uh, but that is kind of funny. Um, but um, uh, anyway, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. Um, he's got... Um, right. He's got not lots. He's literally got lots of knowledge behind him. I agree. He's coming from a place of learning. Right. Uh, clearly mm-hmm. the lamp right over the scroll on stand looks like um, he might even just have just stood up from studying that scroll uh, potentially. So, yes. Um, scholarly. Or maybe read something quite disturbing and was moved right. to action. Right. That's true. And it's 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 a library behind him. So I've changed my mind. It's probably not pajamas. It's probably his bathrobe instead. It's his bathrobe. He was just chilling in his library. Um, uh, You know, he's having a he was having a bit of a lion looking at his library. Light morning reading. He's not. This is not Keller Brimbor dressed to kill. This is uh, uh, this is a quiet. um, uh, domestic moment 
for for him. So this is what this is what Celebrimbor wears kicking around the house. That's my yeah, exactly. It's just like his reading snuggie. That's precisely <laughs> what he was wearing, uh, or his smoking jacket. Yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly what this this whole image says to me. Uh, Celebrimbor in a smoking jacket and contemplating. Um, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, I agree. He's not angry. Meow. He looks more disappointed. Okay, or skeptical. Uh, uh, says another. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. So I see some people saying he looks like a nobleman. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. So that tracks. Um, uh, yeah. No, I agree. It's still costly rather than simple attire. Yeah. I mean. Yep. Celebrimbor's bathrobe is going to be amazing, right? Like, uh, I don't blame him for not putting gems on it, because um, that would suggest, you know, sort of more deep personal problems. But, you know, you want to, you, 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 you still want to have like some really intricate pleating work there along the front of your, uh, of your bathrobe and some what looks like embroidery, perhaps around his, around his mm-hmm. uh, kind of collar area there. Um, I'm, I'm down with that. Um, uh, I mean, I do have to admit having a bathrobe that like uh, apparently fastens up the back or they, I guess you just throw it over your head like a Snuggie. Uh, that could work. It, I mean, more than anything, it reminds me of the choir robes I wore when I was a kid. So maybe he's just, you know, heading to chapel to sing some songs. Possibly. Yeah. Maybe that's what's over on the right. Uh, it looks yeah. like some, got some vaulting going on in there. Right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. So you think uh, maybe the look on his face is, I hope I'm not late to choir. Probably not. Maybe. Panic. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. that him again. We're, right. We are getting off track. All right. A little bit. But anyway, I, so I, I'm... It's, look, there's no question I don't look at this image and be like, oh, like it's the Calabrimbor that walked out of my imagination. But I don't hate this. And the age doesn't bother me, even a little bit. In part, it's because I'm getting old enough that I'm like, it didn't look that old. But, um, uh, but in addition, like, I don't... First, like, so on the two, the, the, there seem to me to be two notions that underlie an objection to an elf looking old, right? Objection number one is this notion that elves are eternally youthful, right? Unchangingly, eternally youthful. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not Tolkien's elves. Um, witness Kierden and his, and his long beard, right? Um, Kierden looks old. Why? Because he is. Um uh, so that elves age, that's a thing. Like, I see no reason to think that's not a thing. Um, second thing, um, is that, uh, wait, first issue was that elves are, Im- oh yeah. And the second is that him looking older than Galadriel does. And as I said, I actually, to me, I can be, con- I, I can, I can see myself really liking it. it depends what they do with it. Maybe they're not going to do with it what I think they're going to do. Um, but I don't hate the idea of Celebrimbor looking older than Goadra. I think that that could work in lots of in lots of different ways. Um, but um, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, in some ways, maybe it just tells you something. And in fact, again, this goes back to Tolkien's world building and stuff. I think it probably tells you more about him personally. Mm-hmm. Again, elves. Their bodies don't work the same way that human bodies do. Um, 
uh, elves' appearance is elective. It's plastic. It can change over time. I don't just mean a natural aging process. I mean that there are moments... Tolkien described that there are circumstances under which they would change... They could change, like, different nose, different face... Like a... Like a um, what was the what was Tonks's name? Anamagus. Uh, Anamagus. No, no, the no, uh, no, the Polly. What's the what's her talent? The thing that Tonks oh, could do in Harry Potter. Um, I I kept coming up with Anamagus too, but yeah. that's the turning into an animal. Um, I'm forgetting the for the term for it. I know. Not all I can right. think of Animagus. Not like right. that, where they can just like pop their faces into different. You know, like like Tonks could in Harry Potter. Um, mm-hmm. Metamorph Magus. Thank you. Thank Senalisha. you. That was going to bother me. Metamorph Magus. That's it. Oh. Um, it's not like that exactly, but it's like that. But there are times when he describes that kind of thing over the course of a long period of time. Um, so anyway, like elves, elves, their the 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 relationship between their spirits and their bodies is just it works differently than it does mm-hmm. with humans. Um, so their bodies are more an expression of who they are. Mm-hmm. So there's a very real way in which, like, I think somebody who's if I saw two elves and one looks older and has like a more lined face, um, like this guy appears to have, and then there's Galadriel, in a human, you would automatically be, okay, he must be older than she is, right? But in an elf, it might just be an expression of what's in his head, right? And been in his head for And you think about what we were saying about Galadriel earlier, it could be that post-war, she ages herself because she has now grown and changed and yeah yeah um yeah so there's again i I, it's so Hmm. whatever point is i don't hate it i don't hate (laughs) it um i but i think this is a fascinating initial image i I don't um what i don't understand is um what i don't understand is why Trying to figure out what this could tell us about Celebrimbor, mm. I feel like I've got more to work with there than I have trying to guess why on earth was this what they want. And I think it's got to be a, dis- a deliberate disappointment of expectations, in a sense, like variation. Remember your what your observation, right? The theme of those covers was different, different, same, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a two-to-one ratio of this is not the Middle Earth, this is not, this is more than and different from what you expect with a one third proportion of, but it's also the same, right? It's also connected. Um, And notice also thematically connected, they were emphasizing Tolkien's little people, which Mm -hmm. doesn't just mean hobbits. Yes, that means hobbits, but it also is suggesting Tolkien's theme of, you know, small hands do them because they must. Um, yeah. You know the uh, the big actions that move the uh, the wheels of the world. Um, but um, I need to make a move. I'm afraid. My uh, yeah. it's 11 p.m. here, and my it baby is, is crying. Yeah, so I'm gonna let my go. husband go to bed so he can get up tomorrow, and uh, I'll take a turn with her. But, Love uh, this picture, by the way. This is my favorite. The Galadriel and Elrond picture. Ah, oh, love yeah. this moment. I think that's I think that's beautiful. Um, well, it looks so sincere, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, the affection here, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the kind the of, um, yeah, the, the, the. Some people, I heard some people like jumping up and down, yelling that they were going to do like some kind of like 
you know, sexual tension between the two of them. And like, this does not say sexual tension at all to me. This says big sister. This says, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's, it's charming. It's beautiful. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. I'm getting, people are yelling at me to let you go. I'll let you go. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to go. <laughs> we're, we we can go. come back Don't and talk about guys. more images on another. I am occasion. perfectly comfortable to abandon Corey at any time. No, however. I should go too. This is, this is, it's, it but keeps can we, me honest. Let's, let's pick up with this next time though, because we yeah. never finished the posters and we're still getting flack for that. So let's make sure we finish the images because this is really cool conversation. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, I'm leaving. You can All wrap right. it up. Thanks. Bye, guys. Right. Bye. Right. And I will say, lest I be tempted to go on talking for another half an hour and get in trouble with my own family, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we will see you guys again next week. Bye now.